So this happened around May 6th, where a Virgin Atlantic flight heading from New York or heading to New York from uh, London turned back to about 40 minutes into its flight because the first officer wasn't fully certified for the at the Virgin Atlantic's standards for their full-on certification. So they're 45, 40 minutes in, they're about passing Ireland at this point, and then they make an announcement and they turn the wreck back around and land back in London so they can switch out that first officer with a different crew member who is certified by Virgin at Atlantic's uh, standards, I guess. And then they went off to their flight. Yeah, so it also says what well, in the in the co-pilot, or excuse me, the uh, in the captain flying didn't have the trainer status as well, so they couldn't have just carried on. So okay, well, this guy didn't have all of his training, but I'm a certified trainer, so let's move on with him. That didn't happen either, right? What so, I wonder what made them like realize forty minutes in, like like sitting there having their first cup of coffee, <laughs> smoking and joking in the cockpit, laughing. This and that. Yeah, I have I have five thousand hours. Well, I have six thousand hours. <laughs> Funny story is I'm not even fully trained. What now? What? <laughs> I'm not fully trained. Well, I'm just going to flip a U-turn here. Uh, we're going to head on back. Right. That's crazy. But, but so for everyone out there, right? Even the company uh, Virgin Atlantic said there's like both pilots are certified to be pilots. They've done their time as pilots. They just uh, the first officer just wasn't uh, fully qualified in the company's standard. Now, I don't know how I, I'm this may be stepping out of our realm a little bit, but just to be a pilot in general, like not commercial, nothing, just a standard run of the mill uh, pr- private pilot's license. That's about 40 hours on the stick. And there, there's some people who drive cars who don't even have 40 hours uh, behind the wheel. And then they're freaking got a license, you know? So, <laughs> uh, well, Here's the thing, though, too, right? So there's the minimum requirements to fly. And then, you know, you as a company can also go above and beyond what those initial requirements are. But are those initial requirements for Virgin Atlantic? Are those uh, obviously are more strict or is that for type rating? Yeah, the guy is certified to be a pilot, has flown planes, but not type rated for uh, what was he flying? Uh, it was an it Airbus here. I think it was okay, an, Airbus. an Airbus. Yeah, I want to say it was yeah, an Airbus. Yeah, so, so was he just not type rated? You know, we've talked about the EASA certifications and all that, where in Europe, you know, you can only be, as a maintainer, uh, uh, signed off on only three aircraft at a time. And if one of those mothballs or whatever else, then you get put back to school for another additional airframe. That's true. We have said that. And just to be a commercial airline pilot, even a first officer, even you're looking at easy 1500 hours minimum, right? And then to be a first officer, you need to be, you need to have 250 some hours at minimum as the pilot in charge of the plane. So this is, this is no slouch game. Like these guys know what they're doing. It's that extra added step to be type rated or fully certified by that company standards. And like what MVP said, who, who knows if he's type rated for that plane? And others will say like, well, 250 hours or 1500 hours, that's uh, enough time to know how to fly a plane. True. If that's the only plane you're flying like ever, but 
Kate, uh, I don't know if it works the same way with pilots as it does mechanics. You may or may not have a choice of what kind of plane you're flying, right? You just get whatever's available and just be like, be here, show up and make sure the plane is good to go before you decide to pull up on the stick. And then likewise with what MVP was saying with us as AMPs or even uh, with EASA standard, you got the license, sure, but are you fully qualified? Are you fully knowledgeable in the airframe that you're working on or working with? Because uh, EASA's requirements are a lot more strict than here with the FAA. With the FAA, you just take you just take a couple hours, maybe get an associate's degree out of it, take a three-part test for three different events, and then you're certified. You may have never touched the aircraft in your life. You may have never seen an aircraft in your life. And if you just roll through the motions and get your license, you're all of a sudden supposed to know anything and everything about airplanes. Is that the case? Absolutely not. <laughs> yes. Even yeah, with- I mean, I mean, like in the maintainer realm, right? A lot of employers, when you show up, at least my first employer, they were like, well, you just got out of school. You should know all this stuff. Well, I've never touched this specific airframe. Yeah, but an, air, an airplane's an airplane. Sure. Uh, but the locations of components, yeah, I can. I get the operation of them, but the location of them were, is where I was uh, struggling because this airframe was a little different than the rest, you know, that you're used to working on. Um, so a lot of places expect you to know right away so they yeah. don't have to devote as much time to training. But that's just, just not the case. You got to have, you got to have that. Time to see. So one of my instructors in AMP school, he always said, he goes, you know, just because you have this AMP license when you leave this school doesn't mean you know everything. This is just a license to work. Yes. Your knowledge is going to come later on, you know, as you get time and seat. Um, now, it seems like reading through this article a little bit, it seems like this uh, pilot, he's probably he probably had simulator time. Mm-hmm. Um, and some hours built up on this, on this, uh, airframe, but just not enough to, to meet the, the requirements, uh, as set by the company standard. Um, and then also the captain was not trainer, uh, status either. Uh, but it also is kind of, seems like it's chalking it up to a little bit of, well, how, you know, how did this happen? Hey, we're, we're in a shortage right now. And somebody, whoever did the scheduling went, oh, this this person's type, you know, type rated here and this person's type rated here. Boom. There you go. Right. Um, without, without just doing a, a surface look at what they are, but not diving the specific. Okay. We have the captain. He's type rated, but not trainer. And then looking into the other person, the first officer and going, well, he's also type rated, but doesn't have the minimum hours. Mm-hmm. Or he they just, just doesn't went, have they that. Just went, they, right. They just went type rating, type rating. Yes. Good to go, you know, and and that, um, and, that, and that can happen. That does happen, uh, especially in training environments for other areas, right? Like uh, certain types of operations besides commercial. You, you just see the check in the box. All right, good. Good to go. Send it. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, that check in the box really just kind of blurs your vision or blurs your judgment where you don't deem it necessary to dig deeper. And even with us as mechanics, we kind of just blurred the lines on that as well. Like, does this person have a license to do this, uh, to work this equipment or use this supported uh, gear? He sure does. He should know what to do. 
where he or she should know how to how to work it, send it. And then you don't realize just how long it's been since that person had that license. And I think we said this in previous episodes where the last time I might have touched this piece of equipment was probably like five, six, seven years ago. And it's been long since modded. It's been long since uh, overhauled. It's been long since mothballed or for whatever reason. Like, how am I supposed to remember everything about this about this thing when it's been so long? And um, it's kind of we're kind of derailing a little bit from this first officer, but with the training department seeing this, they don't un- they don't necessarily take the time to dig into the check in the box. They just see okay, he has it or he or she can do it. Roll it. Yeah, and I think we've all been guilty of that I myself have, have been guilty of that in the past where. Somebody needs some information. I just take, oh, here's what they want at at, at the surface, right? Face value, mm-hmm. um, and not not really digging in as far as maybe I should have on, on. You know, I've done that with scheduling scheduling flights and events. Um, in our past, there are six. You know, it's like, well, what's what's ready? You know, oh, I got this, this, and that. Well, okay, yeah, it's you know, on the surface, it's got minimum mission requirements, but what what's the payload on that thing you know oh Mm -hmm. i didn't look at that part i just looked at i just looked at you know uh had these specific components this this special sigint package but i didn't look at any other additional payload requirements or you know fuel capacity requirements right and and i fall into that as well too with people where like i I assume that because you hold a specific type rating or a specific job position that your knowledge is on par with that. And that has bitten me in the ass quite a bu- quite a few times. Like, oh, it, it's still biting me in the ass. People just assume because of what I am now that I should, I'm, I'm the, I'm the subject matter expert on everything or I should know everything and, and, and not so right. I got people on my team that are uh, a thousand times more knowledgeable and savvy than I am. Right. And I've, and I've run into this too, where like, I, I just go based off your title and then I get severely slapped in the face about it. Like get an example is I have a need for an operation or a flight and I see the roster of who's available and I see senior airframes and power plant mechanic that immediately tells me, Hey, this person's senior, he should, he or she should know what the hell they're doing. Takes a minimum of four years or something to get this title, roll it. And then they show up like, yeah, uh, I'm only senior A&P rated for this airframe, not this yeah, one. I got brought in as a senior. I'm new to the company, but I was brought in as a senior due to my years of experience, not not for this specific uh, airframe itself. Right. And I'm like, oh, damn it. Well, I got shot in the foot. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. We're going to be delayed. And then. So calling myself out on that one because I I myself have fallen into that to that oh, drop. Yeah, I think I think anybody out there has at some point or another, right? Especially if you're trying to make decisions under under pressure. Um, yes. Some hit fire last minute. Okay, we got a problem. How can I resolve it as fast as possible to still make takeoff times and schedules? Right. Um, and, now, go ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, um, I was about to say like. When they did this flight, they turned around and came back. They were delayed maybe two hours and 40 minutes from their intended destination time. And as annoying as that is, that's not bad because 
there could be times where they'll just cancel the flight altogether and be like, we'll see you guys tomorrow, even though you're already in the air. And they just, they, they found out, they pulled the noobs, turned around and say, well, we'll see you guys tomorrow because there's not another flight for another. Yeah. So they're saying, well, at least, uh, at least they found it, discovered it 40 minutes in instead of three, three hours into the flight where you're over the mid Atlantic and you go, is it worthwhile turning back now? Cause we're just equidistant from landing over in New York as we would be from going back to London. Right. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting fact too. Right. So they turned around because they were only 40 minutes in. What if they were halfway across? What, what do you do at that point? Well, we've had no hiccups thus far. Do we just press on who makes that call? Do you have to get, FAA approval? Do you have to self-disclose to EASA and let them make the call? Do you what do you do in that instance, right? Because at that point, uh it's the same amount of time to go back as it is to go forward. Right. So I, I'd be curious. I would say, or at least if I was in charge, I would say, like, well, you're already halfway there, you might as well land. Or might as well land in your intended destination. But that might be your last flight for a while, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah, that would be one of those. Yeah, press forward. Uh, you know, due to you know, maybe I'd be concerned with fuel, whatever else. Like, but once you hit the ground, you're uh, you're grounded yep. until uh, an investigation's done to determine how, how, why, who, what, when, where, where, and how. Right. Um. So, so, and the talking about the who, what, when, why, where, and how, they're calling it a raw string error. That's what Virgin was saying. It's a raw string error. Hmm. You know what a raw string error? Um, it just says, you know, it continues on. Question about whether or not mo- more of the airlines are being faced. Not that they would put anyone in this position, but they're being faced with tough decisions. Pilots are overworked because they simply don't have the number of pilots that are needed the flights yes uh, yeah i just wonder why they call it raw string air i'm gonna look that up real quick so continue on here now that might actually have been a typo maybe they meant to say roster like roster like a training roster well they are british so maybe how raw, raw string error mm, i don't know <laughs> maybe google translate like uh how, would, how would benedict cumberbund say it or whatever his <laughs> name is Right, they the uh, speak to text fucked it up for them. Be like, God damn it! <laughs> speak to text. <laughs> <laughs> you betrayed me, Siri. <laughs> but yeah, um, rostering error. Like we were just saying, like that's probably like the more um, easy to swallow excuse, I guess. But we've been there too, so we can kind of see that. Well, what happened? Well, besides them flat out saying like, "Well, I fucked up." Okay, cool. You fucked up, but what was the cause? What what led to this? And like, oh well, uh, that was a, a, a oversight ro- roster error on my part. Like, I'm sh- I'm sure you know, like as they were saying, they were really explaining the cause. But you know, to people who are already pissed off, they're like, "Excuse me, how does this even happen? Why would you do this?" And like we were saying, as MVP said on the article, like. We're short on pilots. We're short on time. We're short on people. We're short on training. But we still got to make shit happen. So we did the best that we could. And even the company themselves said that you guys were not, or the packs on the, and the plane itself was not in threat or it was not in danger of anything. 
like they were still safe. It just didn't have that ex- that check in the box per the company standard, per FAA standard, per uh, EASA and and the CAA standard. It's fine. They have the hours, the minimum hours required to do the flight. But it's that extra check in the box that now everyone's starting to question, like, why they're starting to call this pilot a rookie. Like, why was this first officer, this rookie first officer on this flight? Time out. (laughs) So what it looks like, what it looks like when I say raw string error, it looks like they're just saying it was almost like uh, data entry input was incorrect. A fat finger, so to speak. Oh, got it. And then it just everything, you know, you input one. It's like using Excel, right? Mm-hmm. You mess up one of the formulas and it jacks up the whole the whole uh, calculation. Oh, speaking of that, <laughs> going off a tangent Spook, for a second, man. Excel, I, yeah. I remember one time we're going on off a tangent, but I remember we were working on an operation schedule on Excel, and I changed the colors, just the colors, from because it kept inputting red as a as a default. So I said, you know what? I'm going to input this as orange and just that <laughs> one little, that one little change screwed up the entire sheet. Now the whole sheet's orange. Like what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. And you regretted every life choice up to that point from there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> undo, undo. No. Control Z, control Z. <laughs> and, and then, and it messed up the, the sheet so bad that like anything, anytime I tried to reopen it, it would just screw up. So we had to delete the whole thing and then restart from scratch. Like, Fuck my life. Thankfully. Talk. Or is ahead, it th- thankfully. Say, say thankfully, um the I just took the last of roster that we sent as an email and we pulled it from the email and we ended up we it wasn't complete scratch, but at least we had one that was pre my inputs. <laughs> yeah, pre before and being all Frenched up. Yeah. Um yeah. So I mean I I've seen that. I still see that in, in my current uh work environment where you know you'll fat finger a number and then you start going through and you're reviewing and you're reviewing the document and you're like this doesn't make sense this shit's not adding up especially if you're like you know you can catch it sometimes right if you knew that pilot personally or whatever and you can go wait this person or let me let me put it to you this way in my current uh work environment we we review uh some of the training records for like some of the maintainers we'll we'll look them over somebody will say oh hey uh you know, grandfather letter this person, and you're going, how is this person uh, grandfathered on this system that they're requesting when this is the only asset in existence to have this particular type system on it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going, so you're telling me they have enough time and experience to be grandfathered. No, that doesn't work in this situation. Uh, we're going to go ahead and request that you OJT this individual. Whereas you could say, okay, hey, we've got uh, we've got a Pratt Whitney three hundred six B engine guy. He's uh, you know we would like to grandfather him in. Okay, well that engine is on numerous other airframes, and the guy has fifteen years of that particular type model engine. So yeah, we can probably. And he's been to the engine school. We can probably go ahead and grandfather that individual. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But like you said, you can see where you fat finger at one time and you're reviewing a document and you look down through and you go, that doesn't make sense. I know this guy has spent, uh, spent time on this system. I've seen his OJT forms. Why are they trying to grandfather letter him? And you go back and ask the question. Oh, I didn't mean that. 
I didn't mean to do that. I clicked the grandfather letter checkbox by mistake. Sorry about that. Yeah. You know, or whatever else. I mean, it's just. But they, somebody put in this guy's flying records. They put, you know, if you have to have 40 hours of, of flying, they hit the three by mistake. So it only showed the 30, but he was actually at 40. I don't know. Right. And, and then again, like these pilots, they're not slouches neither one of them like they know what they're doing it's just that extra little check in the box that says hey this person is now rated to fly or certified by the company to fly so it makes me laugh man like i was reading some of the comments about like how people were like just bashing this first officer and then bashing virgin atlantic like how do you guys make this kind of errors why is a rookie on a flying a plane and all this stuff? like well time out time out like just to be there just to even qualify to be even attractive for interview they have to have at least 1,500 hours. Uh, and depending on where you're at in the world and how um, your schedule is, 1,400, 1,500 hours can take anywhere from two to five years, right? Yep. And, that's assuming, and that's assuming like, you know, you're not bogged down by maintenance. You're not bogged down by weather. You're not bogged down by having an, instru- COVID, an instructor. By COVID and a pandemic or whatever, you know? like Yeah, right? Oh, and yeah, especially that. Or like, say, like your instructor, he now has a mental uh, issue that he's dealing with. So now he can't fly with you and he's the only instructor in the region. So if you want to get it, get flight, you have to move somewhere to find an instructor who's willing to take you on or who is willing to accommodate those hours on top of a whole list of other people that need it, too. So it's it's not a easy thing and it's not a fast thing to get these 1500 hours. It's not back to back to back to back. And especially with COVID after all that stuff, when everything was shut down for like almost two years, uh, vers- like with, with restricted travel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even at that, with the travel time, it was probably like maybe three, four hour flight max because we didn't want you to be in there with other people or vice versa, or I'm sorry, not vice versa, but other points, right? Like, certain flights they don't count because you don't have a certain number of requirements to it like uh you have to have x amount of passengers uh on your plane to rate this many hours or you need to have this kind of uh aircraft to rate this kind of uh training time or some shit like that you got the plane you got the equipment you just don't have all the other stuff so yeah cool you flew 15 hours but oh by the way they didn't count because you didn't have 60 passengers you only had 58 or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Um, it says in this article continues on, it says um, probably should have done a little bit more in terms of checks and balances before people got on the plane. Uh, better safe than sorry. But uh, it says we do have to dip, sympathize. Um, they kind of keep going back, back on the uh, look understaffed current staff is overwhelmed i know six you and i have touched on this in numerous episodes uh, furloughs at the beginning of the pandemic now trying to come back uh facing issues uh you know dealing with people who don't want to wear masks and the health stuff and um, a lot of people just say it's not not worth it anymore right uh, and, then, and uh like you were saying with the all the other checks and balances before they depart the gate like this kind of goes into our one of our previous episodes with being preemptive. Like, w- when does being preemptive actually hurt your productivity? 
And this kind of would be a, a case of that where we're, so we're inputting all these checks and balances and stuff, but then that could lead into delays that could lead into some problem times or say like, Oh, we, I didn't double check, right. And think to check. And then now we got to find someone somewhere else. Like, Hey, I know you just came off a flight like 10, 10 hours ago. We need you to break crew rest. We'll sign a waiver and get you over here. Like right now. And that's the cost of being preventative. That's the cost of quality and stuff. Is it good? Yes. And that prevents like you, the customer having to deal with this kind of shit. But at the same time, this can also be a double-edged sword where like now we're incurring delays because we don't want to make more delays. If that makes any sort of sense. <laughs> yeah. We, we actually, by trying to, uh, to prevent delays, we created delays. Um, <laughs> Just had a conversation about this on I was out 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 of out of country on a work trip this past week um uh, in, in Six's homeland um and had a discussion with some people there about you know I guess the former regime running that place they they kind of made it a us versus them type thing, you know, a mm-hmm. uh meaning stateside to their op- lo- operating location and and it was just kind of a real negative environment. So now there's new regime in there and they went out there with the goal of, I'm not going to have that happen again. I'm going to make it better and this and that, but, but trying so hard to the point where they're actually creating that again, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like it, it, trying to prevent the uh, bad thing from happening again, so hard that you're in turn creating the bad thing that that happened again. <laughs> right. I know for a lot of our listeners, this probably doesn't make sense. It's kind of hard to explain without going into too much detail. And I, and I can't do that on here. I don't want to discuss that, you know, names and places and whatever else, but it's one of those where you just, uh, it's almost like trying too hard. Yes. You know? Yep. Or like, like, uh, you, you get into this feedback loop, right? Where, you try to stop, but you end up, but you have to go faster in order to stop. And then by doing so, it makes it harder for you to stop and it just keeps going in circles. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we've, we're all guilty of this and we, we can, the easiest to blame is the training department in this. Like you guys should have caught this. You should have seen this come in. And then, so in, in turn, they're going to create all these extra steps to make sure they don't, but including all these extra steps will cause a delay and then end up having to do this anyway. Yeah, now, unless you're the training department where I work at and to which it's everybody else's responsibility and not theirs. <laughs> they're, they're excellent at pointing fingers the other direction. Yeah. It's impressive. You read some of their, you read some of their paperwork and their documentation, right. Uh, on, on, pro, on their processes. And really the only thing they have themselves as responsible for is the clerical work, i.e. data entry, but nothing else. You're like, that's, that's almost impressive. Right. Like, how how is that possible? Like, you're the one who's supposed to schedule this. You're the one who's supposed to tell us when these events are coming up. Like, nope, that's up to you to figure it out. I'm just here to file this in the done pot from the to do pile to the done pile. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> really? That's, that's exactly it? how that's exactly how it is. And it's fucking mind blowing. dude. And I and I've had training departments like that, too, where like they just send you they if they even send you a notification, sometimes they don't. They just be like. Or they're very quick to say like, "Hey, you're expired on X, Y, Z." Like, what? Like, and sometimes you don't yeah. even know. Like, I'm expired. They, like, yeah. And they say, "Well, that's on you and your management to ensure what you're coming due on." 
yeah, okay, I'll live with you on that. But like, also, you know, we're you you've seen the flight schedule. You've been in the meetings. You see that we're balls to the wall out there. Uh, uh, please be a secondary. But no, that's not been the case. It's been my department that's become the secondary and the reminder. Yeah, and then like, training goes. Hey, why are you guys sending out those emails? You know, it makes us look bad. Yeah, then fucking step up your game. Yeah, like send out a hit list or something. You know, or give us like a a three month lookout. You know, or outlook. Which, like, which they have started doing, right? They have started doing, but that's where it. That's where they say their responsibility dies. Well, we sent you an email. Awesome. Thanks. Now Thanks. let let's take that to all the different mechanics out there who only check their computers maybe once or twice a day and 90% of it is to fill out paperwork for their maintenance that they just spent the last half shift doing. So excuse me if I don't check my email. <laughs> right, or, they're, or they're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Like the last thing they're going to be thinking about is the training side of it because, well, guess what? They want to get the work done so they can get off those goddamn 12 hour rotations. Yes. Right. And I'd imagine that's the same with the pilots too, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, sure, they got their own personal logbooks to log their hours and stuff. But I mean, aside from that, who's really going to tell them, like, hey, by the way, your, your check ride's coming up in about two or three weeks. You might want to schedule that because we only have one instructor and he's doing XYZ for the next three months or some shit like that. Yeah. Right? Or schedule a form. Hey, by the way, you have training on this date. Yeah. Right. Check or, rides this date. So, uh, and if they're on a rotational schedule, say, Hey, look, uh, the first day back on your rotation, you got this, and then you're going to go, then you'll be out floating from there. But it's, uh, you know, it, it takes a, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to make it all work. It's not just one person's responsibility. It's not just one department's responsibility, um, to ensure continuity and make sure everybody gets where they need to be and so the company thrives and, and money's made. Um, it takes everybody working together, but unfortunately, you know, egos get in the way people, uh, complacency. No, no, it's not my fault. It's not my responsibility. It's everybody else's. And then that just, that just drives down production. Absolutely. And then you run into exactly what happened here where, uh, you know, all the holes in the Swiss cheese line up and, Hey everybody! So we're gonna have to turn around. Yep. Like, why? Oh, we having a mechanical problem? Yeah, it makes sense. I can get down with that. Oh, it's because the pilot's not certified. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine that news, right? So like, oh, hey, our pilot is not uh, certified to fly this plane. Like, say what? <laughs> right. Imagine that mini panic that they had when they heard that over the intercom. I'm sure they said it in a much better way, but I'm sure someone would have put two and two together. Like, wait a minute, what? The pilot is not rated yeah, how to do you fly. Ex- how, how do you explain that, right? To the a plane full of people. Yeah. Hey, everybody, we've got a, uh, like we have a, a clerical error in our, in our system here. We're going to have to go back and, and make sure that's adhered to uh, so we don't incur fines and whatever else by IASA or whoever, you know, like. You really have to church that up, but God, I'd hate to be the captain when he looks over at the first option and says, "You're uh, you're not signed off to be here." Oh boy! <laughs> right? Know. Oh God damn it! Right? Or he's British, so he probably said, "Oh cock." 
you know, or something like that. <laughs> a fucking or bull- bloody hell. Yeah, bloody hell. Like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, man. Like, and that would not have been a fun conversation, no matter how you slice it. I mean, you must be like the best speaker in the world to soften that blow and people not just overly not want to rage out of control. Like, uh, flight attendants already have enough trouble keeping the peace and then you throw that news in there like it's a full-on riot in a 300 passenger airplane <laughs> yeah exactly sir calm down please here's a free cup of coffee don't hurt me i'm sorry <laughs> please yeah I'm, dude i'm just the air crew don't hurt me <laughs> but that's another thing too right you got the flight attendants in the back and and they're going Oh my God. Now I got to go serve all these people and they're going to be mad dogging me and questioning me the whole way. Yeah. Even though I had literally nothing to do with it. Yeah. And they blaming you like you should have checked the crew. Like, okay. Yeah. Who's responsible? I want to know who's responsible. You know, right. Speak to the manager. Right? Like pull a full Karen. <laughs> but whoever their flight chief was, I mean, that's, you know, whoever is in charge of the flight operations. Yeah. That would have sucked. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could imagine. I bet there was a, Big meeting after that. Yep. Like, all right. Because because I would be going, okay, this guy was not type rated. Did he just get on rotation? This is his first flight. Or was he on three flights leading up to this one? Yep. Was he uh, uh, not rated to be on the other flights and we just caught it now? How did we catch it now? What made that conversation start? How did we miss it before? You know, what was, you know. What, was, yeah. what what all led up to this? Yeah, because they're going to do their own in, internal investigation, guaranteed. Yeah, I'm curious how that how that fishbone would look like. Like, how did we get here, and why? How did we discover it 40 minutes into a flight? I mean, yeah. good on you that we caught it. Period. But how did we? Well, figure how do we it prevent out? this from happening again? Yeah, and how did we figure? Like, how do we figure it out from the first place? Like, oh, I can't, I'm dying to see the fishbone on that one. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd like to see the. Rue, I'd like Rue, to see the icar written written yeah, there. Right. Rue caused uh training. Ugh, okay. No, no, that's just a piece of it. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what to say. Well, it's a lack of training. No, no, no. Especially if he was already flying on our stuff. Oh, it wasn't a lack of training. It's uh was it a documentation error? Was it a you know human factor, uh complacency? Was it typo? You know, how do we how do we get here? Right. And then imagine or was like, it or was it clearly overlooked, purposely overlooked due to a shortage of uh, air crew? Yes. Right. And then imagine they'll quiz the the first officer too. like, did you know you weren't ready? Did you know the captain was this right? Like, so why did you stop it? Right. All kinds of craziness. Like, I don't freaking know, man. They just said show up and I did. And here I am. Yeah. And I'd be, yeah. And that, but that would be my next question too. I'm like, did you not check your training records? You had to have known. You were missing hours. No, no, no. I did my final sim the week prior and all my, all my hours were supposed to be input. Oh, okay. Let me see where there's proof of that. You had that. Oh yeah. Here's your sim sheet. Uh, why was this data never input? Oh, well, it went to so-and-so, but they've been out on vacation for, for two weeks and they won't be back for another week. So nobody else can do this. No, they're typically the only one who does it. Great. Now we have a single point of failure. Right. But imagine having to chase all that shit down and imagine you and I do it almost on a weekly, daily basis. Yeah, this is true. 
This is very true. <laughs> well, welcome to our our house of pain, everybody. <laughs> Where we chase down like the root cause. We're like detectives, but the uncool version. <laughs> the super uncool version. <laughs> Help. <laughs> uh, final thoughts on this MVP. No, it's just, um, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame it happened. Uh, glad they caught it. But at what point? You know, do you say press forward or, or turn back? Um, that's uh, that's a whole other question that has to be answered. Um, you know, for everybody listening, do your due diligence. Take it on yourself to to ensure that you know what you're trained off on, what you're certified on. Make sure the training records are up to date. Because if you leave it to the entities that say they're responsible for it, well, when when they fall short, and they will, um, they will be quick to point that finger on you. Yes. So so, just just look out for number one in regards to your own training, and make sure you got uh, what you need, and that everything is is as current as it can be. Very well said. And for those of you guys listening, uh, how would you handle this situation, or have you been in a similar situation where? You thought everything was all lined up and good to go. And then 40 minutes in or however many uh, hours in, you find out that this wasn't the case. Uh, what would you do in that situation? How did you handle that situation? Or what was the outcome of it? Right. Did it cause delays? Did you have to just do a quick uh, turn and burn? Or they just say, well, that's the event. We're done for today. Let us know in the comments. Let us know in all our social medias or send us an email directly. Whichever is the easiest for you to contact us. We're always up for hearing back from you and then taking your answers. We get enough answers or questions. We can actually make a full episode of just those and answer them as, as needed or react to your stories as needed. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, we always love the reacts. Those are fun. And especially when you guys ask us questions because that's a direct line to us and we can actually explain certain things or if things were unclear or whatever the case may be. Let us know. Shoot us up. Or shoot us an email or, or however you, is the easiest way for you to contact us. On that note, thanks again, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Frushauer, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast, thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook, at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.